Welcome to the podcast of Eden Worship Center. Join us as we study in our series, The Means of Grace, as we look at how God uses the church for good in our life. For more information, visit our website at edenworshipcenter.co. nothing like starting it off with completely wrecking the speaker's notes, which I think I did in the midst of that prayer. And they may or may not be in the right order. Uh, Destin, if you're not familiar with Destin and Jen, uh, they've served in the youth group for a long time, uh, super faithful, and uh, he took on a daunting challenge of speaking about giving in our, our Means of Grace series. So, uh, Destin, we'll also offer you some grace if all those notes are in the wrong order. It'll, uh, <laughs> you'll be good, man. Good morning. It's working, so that's good. Um, I guess the dropping of the notes only serves to uh, drive home a point a little easier. So um, I just wanted to start by thanking um, my wife who helped me a ton on this um, sermon, just getting ready. And then um, Seth and Mariah last night were typing it out for me. And uh, Seth's like, well, it's all there, Dad, but you're kind of a mess. (laughs) Um, And so the notes, you know, to illustrate that point and I was thinking about that and I'm like man that's the story of my life (laughs) it's all there but you're kind of a mess so um, I just wanted to start out by um, uh, having everyone turn to 2nd Corinthians uh, chapter 9 verses 6 through 15 that's going to be the the text that we're looking at um, this morning So I'm not sure if we have a slide for that or not. So, hey, there we go. So, yeah, if everyone would stand, uh, we'll just go ahead and dive right in here. We've just made this a tradition in the church just as a way to honor God's word. So, all right, here we go. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in thanksgiving to God. By their approval of this service, They will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others, while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. All right, let's pray. 
Father, we thank you for this morning. God, we thank you for your inexpressible gift of grace to us, God. Father, I pray that you would just pour out your grace upon us this morning, God. I pray, Lord, and I thank you that your word um, doesn't go out void, Father, but it accomplishes what you um, purpose it to do. And I pray that you would do that now, God. I pray that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see what you're doing. Um, Father, I pray that you would help me uh, to deliver the message clearly and, and help me not to be a distraction to anyone. Um, and I pray that you would be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. So I wanted to give you a little context here of this passage and what's going on um, in the Corinthian church. Um, Paul, at this point, is um, not in Corinth. Actually, what's, what's going on is Peter, James, and John um, are they're preaching the gospel in Jerusalem to the Jews, and this is about AD 47, and they, as the church of Jesus Christ, decided to send out Paul and Barnabas to preach the gospel amongst the Gentiles to, to go out on their first missionary journey. And Paul and Barnabas, is there, is there anything that you would like us to do, is what they asked the elders of the church. And the only thing they asked him was, uh, the only requirement is that the Jerusalem, um, the only requirement that the Jerusalem church asked of Paul and Barnabas is that they take up an offering from the Gentile churches for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. So Paul and Barnabas are going out on this kind of big circular journey um, and they're writing letters sometimes in advance to these churches um, that they're coming to um, and the Corinthians hear of this and, and they've pledged to give. They've pledged to give to the poor uh, Jewish Christians in Jerusalem and in the meanwhile, Paul and Barnabas are preaching in Macedonia, and the Macedonians hear that the Corinthians are going to give this big gift, so it kind of pumps them up to give too. And so now Paul's writing to the Corinthians, and he's basically making a couple of different points. He's saying, hey, look, the, the Macedonians have heard about uh, this pledge that you guys made, and they, even though they were poor, uh, they, gave, they gave a lot, like pretty much blew Paul away. Uh, Paul didn't expect those poor churches like the Philippians and the Thessalonians and the Bereans to be able to, to bless uh, the Jerusalem church the way that they did. And then he makes another point in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. He says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty, so that you by his poverty might become rich. So he's challenging the Corinthians, and he's saying, the poor gave a lot, and the richest gave a lot. Jesus gave all. He's like, and you guys are somewhere in between, uh, so you guys, can do, you guys can give a lot too. Uh, but he knew the Corinthians were kind of tight-fisted with their giving, so he was challenging it, them. And he also kind of wanted to give them a heads up before he came, um, because he didn't want them to be embarrassed when he got there and they weren't ready to give what they had promised to give. 
And he had, in the meantime, though, he had to write the first letter of the Corinthians and kind of bring some correction to some of the immorality that was going on in the Corinthian church. So he wanted to let the Corinthians know, I want you to be prepared to give what you said that you were going to give, not because you feel guilty because I wrote you this letter, but because you've experienced the grace of God. And he also didn't want some Macedonian Christians to come with him to Corinth and have to be embarrassed because the Macedonians gave because they thought the Corinthians would, and then when they get there, the Corinthians aren't ready. Um, So basically what's happening through this whole thing, big picture, is that the gospel, the indescribable gift of God, is going out to the world from Jerusalem. And the only thing the church fathers, the, the elders want, is to see that the blessing, that blessing come back to the church, the poor, the poor Christians in Jerusalem. And so, so there's just this, this process of giving and receiving that's going on and, and everyone getting to share in that blessing. So I want to look at four points in this text um, this morning. And... And those four points are, we experience God's grace when we give generously. And number two, we experience God's grace when we give cheerfully. Number three, we, give, we experience God's grace when we trust him to provide. And we experience God's grace when we see the fruit of our giving. <clears throat> number one, we experience... God's grace when we give generously. 2 Corinthians 9, 6, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. This is, like, this is a principle that's easy to see if you've ever grown a garden. If you grow a small garden, you'll barely have enough to feed your own family, but if you grow like a really huge garden, you'll be able to bless everyone you know. Um, so this is, it's not a complex principle. Um, it's something that all of us kind of see at work just in the everyday world every, uh, all the time. So uh, Paul wants the Corinthians to give generously, like I said before, not because they uh, have been corrected, but because they realize that God has already uh, given them everything. Romans chapter 8, verse 31 and 32 says, What shall we say uh, to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? This is what what Paul wants the Corinthians to realize, um, that, that God had spared no expense, um, to save them. Jesus said, uh, greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. And I believe it was John who said, Jesus Christ laid down his life. Uh, we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Um, so this is, um, this is Paul's exhortation to the Corinthians. Give, Corinthians, like your heavenly Father has given to you generously, and that's also my exhortation to, to us, Eden Worship, Eden Worship Center. <laughs> uh, Jesus gave himself for us. 
So when we give, um, it can take something as simple as turning a, a carry-in dish into worship because we're just, we're giving. We're giving to God's people. We're giving back to him. And in, in this way, we reflect the glory of God uh, because he is a giver. James chapter 1, verse 16 through 18 says, Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be, kind, be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So James is, is just understanding this fact that our God is a good father, a good giving father. In fact, before this, he said that God doesn't tempt anyone. Basically, sin isn't coming from God. Um, that's something we do. We're tempted by our own desires. Our father intends for us to, to have good gifts, um, but we desire um, evil things. So, so essentially, we give because he gives. That's, that's, um, that's what Paul wants to impress on the Corinthians here. I, I ran across a Spurgeon quote earlier this year in my reading. I like to read um, uh, Charles Spurgeon's Morning and Evening a lot of times, and I ran across this one, and it just kind of stuck with me. In fact, it's a little bit of the foundation of this message. Um, Ecclesiastes 1.7 says, All the rivers run into the sea. Yet the sea is not full. Unto the place from whence the rivers come, thither they return again. So this passage before us may well teach us gratitude. Father Ocean is a great receiver, but he is a generous distributor. What the rivers bring him, he returns to the earth in the form of clouds and rain. That man is out of joint with the universe who takes all but makes no return. To give to others is but sowing seed for ourselves. He who is a good, he who is good, he who is so good a steward as to be willing to use his substance for his Lord shall be entrusted with more. Friend of Jesus, art thou rendering to him according to the benefit received? Much has been given thee. What is thy fruit? Hast thou done all? Canst thou not do more? To be selfish is to be wicked. Suppose the ocean gave up none of its watery treasure. It would bring ruin upon our race. God forbid that any of us should follow the ungenerous and destructive policy of living unto ourselves. Jesus pleased not himself. All fullness dwells in him, but of his fullness have we all received. Oh, for Jesus' spirit, that henceforth we may live not unto ourselves. So yeah, I just love that picture where he sees God in creation as the, as the, as the great ocean who's always giving, but he's always receiving too. Um, so if we sow sparingly to God's kingdom work, we shouldn't be surprised that we don't have a heart for it. Um, see where I'm at here now. But there is hope. Point number two, we experience God's grace when we give cheerfully. Each one 
must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Um, so Paul was hoping that the Corinthians would give generously, just like the Macedonians and Jesus, um, who gave it all. Um, I, I was... Uh, just thinking a lot this week, and I got to thinking about a bunch of verses, and I texted Jason, and I said, are we doing a sermon on giving? Are we, is that going to be one of the means of grace um, topics? And he said, yeah, I think, I think it's coming up, and we got to talking about it. He's like, yeah, it's this Sunday, and I'm, I'm preaching it. So, And the more we got to talking, I'm like, well, you know, I think I could do that, or I feel like it's on my heart to do that, and we got to talking more, and then we, I was talking back and forth with uh, Matt and Jason, and they, we kind of decided, okay, I'm going to do it, and, and I was excited at first, and then, like, when it hit me that I'm actually doing it, I'm like, I'm like, oh, no, what have I done? <laughs> no, like, seriously, I'm like, I just destroyed my whole week, because um, this was on Saturday, and then I wasn't sure, and then Sunday morning, I'm like, yeah, you're doing it, and then Sunday night, I like watched the Super Bowl, and, and I was just like, I didn't really get started till Monday, but, <clears throat> but then I realized, like, this is the point of the whole sermon, that um, if I'm willing to give generously of my time, and if I'm willing to do it cheerfully, God will provide for me, the ability to do it. Um, and that will result in thanksgiving to God um, and you guys um, for his indescribable gift. Not only um, that's being poured out through the word, but that's being on, put on display in my life. Um, so, yeah, and that's just, that's the whole message. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, so God loves a cheerful giver because he cheerfully gave. Uh, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Um, so he, he wants us to be cheerful like him in his image giving. Um, and we also can be a re reassured that we can be cheerful in our giving because we're giving to Jesus. Uh, Matthew 25, verse 35 through 40. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. <clears throat> I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you? Or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them. Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. So we can, we can be reassured. when We can give cheerfully because we're giving it to Jesus. So... So the exhortation is um, that Paul would be saying is, be sheep, Corinthians, not goats. Um, and, and that's the same for us, Eden Worship Center, be sheep, not goats. Um, so, and we have another 
we have another awesome promise uh, that when we give cheerfully, it changes hearts and protects us from idolatry. Jesus gives us an awesome promise in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. <clears throat> so we can give... Um, generously and cheerfully to God, knowing that um, we can put our treasure somewhere where it's not going to be destroyed, it's not going to be stolen. Um, and that's an, awesome, that's an awesome promise, that's an awesome exchange, my earthly treasure for treasures that never um, will spoil or fade. And, uh, but that's by faith. Um, that's something where we have to just take God at his word and believe that he is going to keep his promise to us. Um, Luke, uh, trying to see where I'm at here. Matthew chapter 6, uh, verse 21 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. <clears throat> and, and Luke 9, 24 says, For whoever would save his life will lose it, but the one who loses his life for my sake will save it. So, so here's the deal. If I can, if I can give my, him my treasure to make him my treasure, like that's a done deal. Like, that's an awesome promise. Like, I never really realized that second part where I'm so focused on the treasure in heaven part, but he says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if I want, my, if I want to treasure something, I have to give my time, my talents, and my treasure to it for my heart to be changed. <clears throat> so... And also at the end of this, he says, no one can serve two masters in Matthew 6, 24, for he either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So giving generously and cheerfully protects us. God wants to protect us. He wants us to give so that we don't worship the wrong things. We can, like I said before, it actually, there's a promise that will actually change our heart. Um, that's a great promise. So practically, practically speaking, how do, how do we accomplish this? If you're, if you're struggling to have a good attitude about bringing food for the carry-in, bring more. <laughs> and help, help clean up. If you feel like you have to go to this church thing or that church thing, go more often and stay longer. If you just can't wait till the service is over to get out of here, come earlier and stay later. When you give more of your life to what Jesus gave his life for, he will change your heart. He promised it. He's a good father. Remember that. So we also need to plan to give. We can't just, you know, do it however we feel at the time. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, 
not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. <clears throat> so we want to have it planned out how much, how much we want to give to the church, how much we want to um, give to missions, how, where do we want to serve in the church. These are things that we, that we want to talk about as a, as a couple, as a family, um, or even if you're single, just um, have a plan of giving. You don't want to be sitting in church on a Sunday morning and they're pass- passing the offering bucket and you and your wife are fighting about how much to give. Um, that's happened to me before. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's good, it's good to have it decided um, what you're going to give. Um, so, and just judging from the, these texts, um, I personally want to err on the side of generosity because that's really the point that Paul's driving home here is that, that we give generously because our Father has given generously. He, he isn't talking here about certain percentages. What, what should I give to this? What should I give to that? We certainly see um, that pattern laid out in the Old Testament of the Israelites giving a tenth of their flocks and a tenth of their harvest and things of that nature. But Jesus has significantly raised the bar in the New Testament by giving his very life. Um, so, so that's kind of that's kind of what Paul's driving home here to the Corinthians is, is that he wants to, um, them to give from their heart, not what they're obligated to do. Um, he wants them to do it out of worship. Um, and that brings us to point number three. We experience God's grace as we trust him to provide. Second Corinthians chapter two Verse nine, or Second Corinthians chapter nine, verse eight through eleven. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, He has distributed freely; He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed for the so- to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. So when we give uh, generously of our time, talents, and treasures, we get a real opportunity to see God um, uh, provide for the work that he's doing through us. So Paul wants to reassure the Corinthians not to be afraid to give because God is able to make them excel in every good work. And he's also able to do the same for us. Unfortunately, if we are not faithful to give generously and cheerfully, we will never experience God's grace to provide for the work that he wants to do through us to the world. We miss out. We miss out. Um, we won't have any need and we will be robbing God of the opportunity to bless us this way. He is a good and giving father, so good that he doesn't want spoiled brats for children. So, so yeah, we're really, we're not just robbing God, we're robbing ourselves of the, of the, the blessing of being able to see God work through our lives.
Malachi chapter 3, this is kind of the famous uh, giving, you know, you really want to drive home, okay, everybody's got to give kind of sermon. This is the one that everybody picks. But I wanted to look at it for a different reason. Um, For the Lord, for I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. For the days of your fathers, you have, from the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you in your tithes and contributions? You are cursed with a curse. You are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I will be the devourer for you so that you will not, so that, that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. I never noticed it before, but that, that last part of Malachi is almost like a reversal of the curse that you see in Genesis chapter three. Um, so, so God wants us to give so that we can see his grace in our lives um, to see that um, if we never have need, we're never gonna go to him. And, and that has so many applications beyond even financial if we don't, um, kind of getting ahead of myself here, um, but basically God wants to, us to test him in this and see that he will provide. Habakkuk 2.14, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. He's going to work through his church to accomplish this. The only thing that will stay his hand and provision for his work through us is our disobedience to generously and cheerfully give to him and in our lives. In fact, that will not even stop him. He will work through someone else and we will miss out. God's going to accomplish his work. Do we want the blessing of being a part of that? Um, like that's what I wanna see. That I wanna see God's hand at work in the world um, in fact, I have this little note on my, on my notes here called dinosaur fears, which when Seth was typing this out last night, he's like, what are dinosaur fears? And there's just a little note to me that when I was a kid, I loved dinosaurs and I had all these dinosaurs and I wanted to be a paleontologist when I grew up and go find all these dinosaur bones. Uh, but one of my fears was that they would find all of them you know, before I got big enough to go do that, which is, you know, it's just, you know, a dumb thing, but um, so I, I also have the same fear, you know, God has called us to um, uh, make disciples of all nations, um, you know, to fulfill the Great Commission, and there's still people in the world, like two billion people that have, have never heard the gospel so now my fears have turned from, you know, 
what if somebody finds all the dinosaur bones to what if somebody else does all the work and I don't get to be a part of it? Because um, I want to be a part of, of seeing what God is doing in the world and I don't want to miss out on it because I'm unwilling to give of my time and my talents and my treasures to see God um, just working in, in and through my life so that people can thank him for his indescribable gift. Um, so do what God has laid on your hearts to do while you still have breath, the breath of life in you. Do it generously and cheerfully, knowing that he will provide like a good father. So, so maybe you've always wanted to uh, be on the worship team, uh, but you're afraid of being in front of people. Um, <clears throat> give your time generously and cheerfully to the Lord in practicing your instrument, and he will provide a way for you to overcome your fears. Put the time in and, uh, and do it cheerfully and watch um, God provide with, for you the ability to do it. Um, maybe you've wanted to uh, serve in youth ministry or teach a Sunday school class, but you're like, I don't know if I n- know how to teach or if I can you know, deal with the kids or whatever like that. And, 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 and my exhortation is just put the time in. Just go serve. God will change your heart, and he will equip you to do the work. But if we, never, if, we never give, if we never give of our lives, um, we rest, uh, restrict God of the ability to give to us what we need. We don't experience his means of grace um, because we have no need. We can do everything we're doing, we can do ourselves. <clears throat> so, uh, me, I like... Um, missions so if i know anybody has a desire for missions i'm gonna be like here's a book here watch this video you're gonna go on a short-term trip here's some money you want to go on a long-term trip you know maybe i'll support you long-term whatever but i can just encourage um and give generously and cheerfully knowing that god's going to keep providing for me to be able to do that and then i can watch as god grabs a hold of people's hearts and and then it, it results in, in somebody else's thanksgiving to God for his indescribable gift. It's just get to be part of that process. <clears throat> Philippians 4.19, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So we have that as a promise that we can, that we can rely on. <clears throat> and all of, all of that cheerful Um, generous and cheerful giving results in thanksgiving to God. And that's point number four. We experience God's grace when we see the fruit of our giving. 2 Corinthians 9, 11 through 15. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, um, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. 
while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. So Paul wants the Corinthians to know that their generous and cheerful ministry, which God promised to provide, would result in thanksgiving to God and deep affection from the Jerusalem Christians for the Corinthians church. As God pours out his... um, the giving that the Corinthians are going to give to these poor, the poor Jewish um, Christians in Jerusalem, it's going to, it's going to result in those Jewish um, Christians in Jerusalem thanking God that even though there was a famine, that he still provided for their need. But he used the Corinthians to provide for their need. So, they get, so not only does it result in thanksgiving to God, the Jerusalem church and the Corinthian church are united because the the Jerusalem Christians are thanking God that the, that the Corinthians were faithful to give. And they saw, a, they saw Jesus. They saw the inexpressible gift of God through their Corinthian brothers. Um, so, and, and that was important because it brought unity because a lot of the Jews were like, I don't know if the Gentiles should be, you know, a part of us. And so just that, that generous giving brought them together. Um, <clears throat> Galatians 6, 9, and 10. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So yeah, this is so true. If, we're, if we continue to be uh, faithful, if we continue to give uh, generously and, and cheerfully and we don't give up and we continue to um, just ask God to provide for us, um, we, wear, we will bear fruit. And that fruit is going to result in other people giving thanks to God for his inexpressible gift that God poured out through us. And we get the blessing of being a part of that. And God changes our hearts. And he gives us a heart for his work. And he gives us a heart for his people. Um, we, see, we can see this practically. This is, uh, happens here. Uh, um, it happens here every year. We have people uh, give generously of their time to do a quilt show. And um, hopefully they also do it cheerfully. <laughs> Um, and they give, of their, they give of their time and their energy, and they make food, and they serve people, and they, you know, smack people's hands that aren't wearing gloves. Well, probably not smack their hands, but... Um, and we use that money for missions, and then we get to um, see, like, Harold and Janice go to Indonesia or the Philippines, and we continue to do this year after year, and if we... If we don't give up, if we keep, keep doing it, um, we'll reap a harvest. And there's going to be people that we've never seen before in countries all the way across the world that are thanking God for his inexpressible gift that came through um, serving at a quilt show, that came through Harold and Janice's uh, preaching. And there, there are going to be people that we see in heaven that are going to be directly the direct result of folding a bunch of quilts and giving a bunch of you know making a bunch of cinnamon rolls and 
You know, just regular things like that. Um, and that's going to uh, result in thanksgiving to God. And they're going to thank God for us and for Harold and Janice and the way that his inexpressible gift came through just regular people um, that are willing to give of their, their time and their talents and their treasures. Um, so, yeah. I've also seen that work, had the blessing of seeing it at work in the life of a, a young man that was in the first youth ministry that I was a part of like 12 years ago. And he was there and he graduated and he went away and he came back and then he started working with me and at my work and he worked there for several years and I just always kept talking to him and I kept talking to him about missions and all this stuff. And now they decided to do a YWAM DTS and we just tried to help them any way we could. You know, they had a big grass sale. You give stuff, you go there, you help them set it up. You do all, do all these things and then they go to a, a YWAM school and now they're over in China and Vietnam and they're um, teaching at other YWAM schools and going out and working with um, uh, victims of sex traffic, trafficking. You know, basically um, just through the pouring out of our lives over like a 12-year period is, is resulting in sex traffic victims in Vietnam and China thanking God for his inexpressible gift. Um, that's, how, that's how God, that's how the means of grace works. If, if we'll give, God will provide and we will get to share in the blessing uh, of, of his giving. So um, now I have uh, just a, a short video here just showing, um, yeah, just, well, you'll see. <laughs> Jesus told us 2,000 years ago that our mission is to go and make disciples of all nations. He also promised us that only after we accomplish that task will we receive the blessing of his return. So, how are we doing accomplishing our mission? To answer that, let's classify the 7 billion people on the earth today into three groups. Let's start with the Christians. About 33% of the world's population would identify itself as Christian. We call this segment of the population world C. C for Christian. It's important to remember that not all of the people that fall into world C are true believers in Christ. They merely identify themselves as Christian because of nominal belief in Jesus or because they live in a country where everyone is considered Christian so they would do the same. Next, there's the 38% of the world that has access to the gospel but has chosen not to follow Jesus. They have Bibles in their language, churches nearby, friends or co-workers who are potentially Christians, or access to other Christian resources in their language. These people have access to the good news, but just haven't acted on it yet. This segment of the population is called World B. That leaves us with 29% of the world, just over one out of every four people on this planet who not only have never heard of Jesus, they have no chance of hearing the good news of Jesus Christ. They have no access to the gospel, no Bibles, no churches, no believers nearby, no chance to learn about Jesus. We call that 29% World A. Now onto missionaries. Only one out of every 1,800 Christians in World C decides to serve as a cross-cultural missionary. So we can pull 400,000 missionaries out of that World C population. 
That's our total cross-cultural missionary force worldwide. Did you know that 72% of all our missionaries are going to World C? That's right. The vast majority of the missionaries being sent out are going to the people of the world that have Bibles and established churches. 25% of the missionaries are sent to World B, where there is already some access to the church and to the Bible. That leaves only 3% of the total missionary force to handle all of World A, the section of the population without any chance of hearing about Jesus. 29% of the world has no way to hear the gospel, but we're sending only a tiny portion of our Christian workers to them. What about finances? Annually, all those Christians in World C earn a total of $42 trillion. And together, they give about $700 billion to Christian causes each year. That includes everything. Christian nonprofits, churches, youth programs, missions, etc. Can you do the math? Less than 2% of Christian income is being given to Christ's causes. Out of that $700 billion given to all Christian causes, only $45 billion is given to missions specifically. That's a little over 6%. In fact, there is more money reported embezzled from the church each year than is given to missions. Remember those 400,000 missionaries? We have $45 billion to support them and their cross-cultural work. But how exactly is it allocated? Well, $39 billion goes to World C every year. Yep. 87% of that mission's money is being spent in areas of the world that have Bibles and churches available. 5.4 billion, or 12%, goes to World B each year, those that have access to the gospel message but have rejected it. That leaves only $450 million, or 1% of all mission's money, going to World A, the least reached people of the world. To put that into perspective, annually Americans spend more money on Halloween costumes for their pets than get sent to World A. To summarize, only 3% of our missionary force, armed with only 1% of missions giving, is going out to reach the 2 billion people who don't have access to the gospel. 2 billion people are still waiting for the good news of Jesus Christ. So here's a question for you. What are you going to do to change that? So yeah, that's a big, a big task, um, a big, a big problem. And when you start thinking about it, you're like, "Wow, how, what can we do?" You know, um, but we have a big God. Um, so that's a huge task remaining for the Church of Jesus Christ to accomplish, especially because the people who are left haven't heard the gospel. That's because the people that are left that haven't heard the gospel are all the dangerous ones that no one wants to go to. That's why they keep going, keep going to world A. It's easy, it's safe. Um, but if we generously and cheerfully um, give of our time, talents, and treasure, God will provide for his people. God can make us able to accomplish that. <laughs> Which will result and people from every tribe, tongue, and nation praising God for his indescribable gift. But they'll only see it if, if we go. They're only going to see and, and that, that's just how it works. Um, back to 2 Corinthians 
um, chapter 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. So that's the question. That's the question then to us. Are we willing are we willing to become poor to make others rich? Are we willing to give our time and our talents and our treasures to see that, that those two billion people that have never heard the gospel have an opportunity? Are we willing then to um, take on something big to see and watch God provide um, for that? Or are we just, just going to rob him of the, that blessing that he wants to give us as a good father. Um, so just one last, one last picture here before I close, just as we prepare for communion and just as a good meditation. Um, Luke chapter 14, verse 12. I'll give you guys a second to turn there. He said also to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, and the lame and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. And that's what all of us were. We were, and that's what we still are, the, the crippled, the poor, the, the blind and the lame, um, that Jesus has invited to his table that we're getting ready to partake in. And God wants to, um, through our generous and cheerful giving, provide for those other two billion people that haven't had an opportunity to have a seat at his table. Um, and they, they don't... They don't deserve it. They don't deserve it any more than we do. But God is good, and, and he wants them. He, he gave, um, he spared no expense on their behalf. And the only way that we can accomplish that is we, if we actually believe it, if we actually believe um, and take God at his word, um, because it's not going to happen any other way. So uh, let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word. God, we thank you that you generously and cheerfully gave your son for us uh, just to provide so that we could have uh, give thanksgiving to you for your indescribable gift, God, for your indescribable gift of your son who became poor to make us rich. So, Father, I pray that you would do the same in us, that you would give us a generous and cheerful heart and provide so that, so that your grace can be displayed in our lives so that other people can give thanksgiving to you um, for your inexpressible gift, God. So we thank you for that opportunity and I pray that you'd work in our hearts to do it um, and that we would be faithful and that we would not give up, God, uh, and that we would reap a harvest um, for, for our efforts, Lord. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.